point number two is this. The ministry of Jesus is available, but not automatic. I'll explain that in a little bit more detail here in a minute. But let's pick back up at verse 17. And he, that's Jesus, was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He then closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now we'll pause there. I don't want us to skip over this too quickly. I want you to have a good mental picture, a good visual in your mind of how this played out. Because there's part of it that as I'm thinking through this, what this would have looked like, it's a little bit humorous. Jesus just read from what we call Isaiah chapter 61. Keep in mind at the time of Jesus reading this, they didn't have things marked like chapter and verse like we do today. They just had the whole book of Isaiah written out on a scroll. So when we read a statement that says he opened the book or he closed the book, we might have this visual of Jesus opening a uh, what's called a codex. A codex is just really a theological fancy word uh, for uh, for a book. It means that the binding of the pages was in the spine. And a lot of times that's how we think. When we think of a book, that's what we think of. But in reality, Jesus would have been reading from a scroll, you know, uh, you know where he would have rolled out the whole thing. Well, Jesus uh, also read from what we call Isaiah 61. Now, as we, as we think about that, Isaiah has 66 chapters. So we're talking about near the end of the scroll. And a, a scroll of Isaiah uh, is about 24 feet in length. We know this because about 19 copies or so uh, of, of just the book of Isaiah uh, were discovered at the, the de- with the Dead Sea Scrolls. So you have all of the, in fact, one of them was completely intact, 24 feet long. So typically, a scroll is written on one side, and so all of this would have been written on one side of the scroll. It would have been about 24 feet long. It would have contained 54 columns of text. And keep in mind, there's no chapter and verse here, but G- and, and it says that he opened the book. In other words, he's scrolling. This is He's scrolling, he's scrolling. I want you to kind of picture that here he is, he's, he's standing in front of everybody, and he's, he's scrolling through and the, nothing's being said. It's just he's, he's finding that spot. There's probably a little bit of awkward silence in this moment. Maybe a bit of suspense about what he's going to, to say. And, and there's this long pause as it says, as he found the place where it was written. And then once he finds that place, once he gets to that point, he's unscrolled this 24 foot long scroll. Once he gets there, he begins to read, but he only reads one sentence. That's it. That's what he reads. And we've already just read it in our passage. One sentence. That's all he reads. And then what does he do? 
he begins to roll the scroll back up. So he reads one sentence after unscrolling 24-foot scroll, reads one sentence, scrolls it back up. He then hands the scroll to the attendant and then sits down. And the scriptures tell us that every eye is still on him. It's this suspenseful moment. Is he going to say anything? What's he going to say? It, it, you know, is he going to expound on, on what he just read? Is he going to explain it? Is he, you know, what's, what's next? So I don't want to just skip over this. I want you to, to feel the tension in the room. I want you to see Jesus unrolling that scroll. I want you to, to you know, just picture, you know, the, the time that it took for him to do that. The suspense in him finding a very particular verse. And then he finds it and he reads the one sentence and then he rolls it back up. And then the whole time you're wondering, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? And then verse 21, we pick back up. It says, and Jesus began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Again, we'll pause there just for a moment. They're pretty happy with his sermon so far. I mean, he's only read one sentence uh, from the scriptures, and they would be thrilled to have a prophet from Nazareth. Uh, this would be great, something, somebody that they all knew. But here's the problem. Jesus always knows how to push buttons. Jesus knows uh, our, our deepest secrets. Jesus knows what's on our hearts and on our minds. So it's no surprise here that Jesus is going to start pushing buttons. And that's exactly what he does. Look at verse 23. He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent, except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Now Sidon is actually just north of Tyre. Tyre is on our map's upper left-hand corner, and, and Sidon is just north of that in Lebanon. Verse 27, And many lepers were in Israel, in the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. So all of those, all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Now we'll pause there. What in the world did Jesus say that made them so mad, made them so furious, so filled with anger and wrath that they were ready to kill him by throwing him over a cliff? Well, it's so important. I mean, we just read what he said. So what was it? What connection did they make? Well, Jesus was pointing out that there is a direct correlation between the miracles of a prophet 
and the faith of those who experience the miracle. Let me say that again. That's key to this passage. Jesus is pointing out that there is a direct correlation between the miracles of a prophet and the faith of those who experience the miracle. In other words, if there is no faith, there is no miracle. And then he gives two examples, one from Elijah and one from Elisha, his predecessor. Uh, or Elijah was the predecessor for Elijah. There were, there were plenty of widows in Israel, plenty of widows in Israel during the time of Elijah. But where did Elijah perform the miracle? He did so in, in Sidon, where a Gentile widow had faith. There were also plenty of lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha. But where did Elisha perform the miracle? In Syria, where a Gentile leper had faith. So when I say the statement that the ministry of Jesus is available, but not automatic, here's what I mean by that. Every miracle of Jesus required faith. Every miracle of Jesus required faith. If there was no faith, there was no miracles. If we, and we see this playing out right here in Nazareth. The Apostle Paul actually put it this way. We see it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. The miracle is our salvation here, right? The, the, by grace you have been saved through faith. The miracle is that God saves us. Well, what does he do? It's the grace of God is his part, and it is our faith. And when our faith and God's grace come together, we see the miracle of salvation. So any miracle that we see, any ministry of Jesus is going to be the grace of God matched with someone's faith. So every time we see someone healed, it is the grace of God and that person's faith coming together. We are saved by grace through faith. Many of the Jews expected the grace of God without the need for faith. And Jesus was saying, if you want to see miracles, if you want to see the things that's happening in Capernaum, if you want to see miracles, then it's got to be matched with faith. If you want to experience the grace of God, then you've got to have it matched with faith. Then you need to come before God. Hear me on this. You need to come before God the same way the Gentiles did with faith. And that's what he was saying. He was saying, you know, the same way that those that Gentile did in, in Syria, the same way that that Gentile did in Sidon, that they had faith and they experienced the miracle of God. And he's looking at the Jewish people here in the synagogue. And he says, if you want to experience these miracles, then you come before God in the same way. God's grace is available. But hear me on this. It's not automatic. There has to be faith. There has to be faith. You know, as we, as, as he finishes up that passage and they take him out and they're, 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 they're going to throw him over the cliff. It says that he, he went his way. He walked through the midst of them and went his way. Throughout the rest of scripture, there is not a single mention of Jesus ever returning to Nazareth, his hometown. From this point on, it appears as though Jesus never went back there. He did his ministry uh, largely in, in Galilee, 
but did it in other places and never went back to Nazareth.